You are now listening to the Fat Fix Podcast with David Flowers, a show talking about all things fat loss and health for the general population. Helping people understand why they are in the position they're in right now, rather than just focusing on what they need to do. Your no-nonsense personal trainer friend that you can have access to in your pocket whenever you need some help, guidance or just to kick up the arse. Hello and welcome to the Fat Fix podcast for episode number 12. This week I was joined by Luke Lehman. Luke's a very smart guy who I believe is one of the best of the best in the fitness industry. I followed him for some time and I've learned a hell of a lot from him in my time as a personal trainer. But what I like most about Luke is that he simply gives a shit. He really cares about people's health and has our best interests at heart. Having listened to probably every podcast Luke's ever been on as a guest, and he's been on some big name podcasts, it was pretty cool to get him on my show. So without further ado, let's bring on Luke Lehman for episode number 12 of the Fat Fix podcast, Fat Loss, Not Health Loss. Hi Luke. Yo. How's it going mate? Uh, it's good, it's good. Just hanging out, doing some work. Welcome to the Fat Fix podcast. Thank you ever so much for jumping on this show, mate. I really appreciate you coming on. Having listened to probably every podcast that you've done, it's good to get you on my podcast. Awesome, man. I'm, I'm, glad, you, uh, I'm glad you reached out and got me on now. Awesome. Could you just give the listeners a little bit of a rundown about yourself, mate? What you, what you do and just an idea of about muscle nerds and where you're going with muscle nerds. And I think the listeners will be interested to hear a bit about that before we get on the way. Yeah. I mean, just a little bit of my backstory. I've been training for about two decades, training other people. I've been training myself. I'm, I'm 41 now and I started lifting weights when I was about eight years old. And when I was in, uh, you know, basically growing up in Texas, everything's about Friday night light. So the whole town shuts down and you're expected to play football. So, you know, I started training really early for that. And then, in high school, part of the powerlifting team that we started there my soft, my uh, freshman year. And then I just kept going, man. I just never stopped. So, you know, fast forward a bit and going out doing internships with people and like Charles Poliquin and Paul Check and, and people like that, like big guys in the industry. And um, eventually ended up working for Charles for a good number of years and kind of took over his position when he left uh, Poliquin Group. And then uh, I left a few years later and decided to start Muscle Nerds. So, you know, I, I kind of went into the industry under the uh, disguise as, a, as an athlete and then really learning how to train athletes. And one of the things I found was that a lot of the education companies that were teaching trainers how to train were, were teaching you how to train Olympic athletes and uh, pro athletes. And they weren't really teaching how to train normal, everyday people. And the, the certification companies that were teaching regular, normal people, there was a big disconnect between those two those two areas of the industry. So at in one point it was a lot of really watered down sports medicine type stuff in like doing, you know, NASM and ACSM and those types of certifications. But, but then you go straight into going to learn how to train Olympic athletes. There was nothing in the middle. So when I left Polican group, I spoke to my wife and I said, we, we need to figure out what we want to do. You know, I want to keep educating people. That's kind of my calling in life and I enjoy it. And I, I think, I think there's going to be a real big market for us to teach people, teach other trainers how to train normal people um, and, and not give people start thinking about health instead of performance, because there was really nothing like that four years ago when we started and we just kept moving on. So we, we basically specialized in teaching trainers how to train normal everyday people from next door. And then we teach them the science of why things work and, and why you want to do certain things. So if you're going to use a method, this is the physiology behind it. So we teach uh, basic biochem, nutritional biochem, exercise metabolism. We teach cell physiology to give coaches an understanding of when I give someone a certain method or a certain workout, this is what I should expect. This is why it works the way it works so that I can make a long-term plan. And this is how I add the nutrition to it. And this is how different macronutrients you know, affect your training and affect your physiology and also putting layering on top of that. The th one thing that no one was talking about four years ago is talking about people's massive chronic stress and that we have a, a, a huge 
influence on driving somebody into more stress, or we've got a massive uh, opportunity to teach people how to get out of that stress, new stress management, and then using the training to build stress resilience to improve the quality of people's lives. Yeah, that's what I really like about what you guys do at Muscle Nerds is you, your teachings are very much for what, who all personal trainers train. Like I've probably dealt with one person who's in the athletic world in my whole career. And I've nearly done this nearly 10 years now. And my demographic and most people that come to, come to myself are just people like my mum. And it's, and it's really good that you guys have come in the industry to make trainers aware of that, that you don't need to train everyone like a bloody athlete. You just, you just basically need to ingrain those basic principles that are going to really help people live a better quality of life without neglecting the health because you've been a little bit too fancy with your approaches. Um, obviously, yeah. today today's show is called Fat Loss, Not Health Loss. So it'd be really, really good, mate, to just jump into what do you see a lot of the general population do wrong when it comes to fat loss, like the common mistakes that they make with all aspects of training and nutrition? You know, I think the first thing that, that people screw up is they don't understand, they don't understand food. And it's, it's hard enough for, for the, even the trainers to understand that because they don't get enough nutritional education. And most of the education they get, they get out of books and there's a lot of confirmation bias where, you know, low carb work for me or, you know, high fat work for me or whatever. So or paleo or veganism. So they figure, well, if that worked for me, it should work for everybody. And so the general population, they don't understand food at all. So, and they're confused because you have some people telling you that this diet's better, this diet's better. And we have to realize they're all, they're all just tools. And you've got to find the one thing that you can be compliant on because consistency and being compliant over a very long time, that is the thing that matters the most. Okay. So um, that's the one thing is getting the mystery of food out and teaching them how to eat normally. And in a lot of cases, like we'll, we'll have people, you know, often we'll, we'll teach, we'll, we'll give people meal plans initially when they first come on with us, because we have to build a pattern of eating before we can allow them to have some flexibility. But the goal is to get somebody eating in a way that they enjoy and they also get results and they don't get stressed out about food because food can be a massive stressor for people, especially with um, things like cultural issues and also with things like social issues. And it, it takes a long time to get them to get that stuff worked out. And in a lot of cases, most people, if you tell them we're going to do a fat loss diet, they immediately go to, oh, this is going to suck. I can't eat anything. I have to eliminate gluten and dairy and all this stuff. And I, I'm not going to be able to eat a lot. I'm going to be hungry all the time. And for most gym pop people, it's just simply not the case. So one of the things that we've started doing now is we don't talk about fat loss nutrition anymore. We talk about performance nutrition. Because coming from the uh, physique background, I was a physique athlete for a while, and, and I trained a lot of bikini girls and, and bodybuilders and things, and they get put themselves in these massive caloric deficits, and then they, they train with far too much volume, and there's a chronic mismatch between their intake of food and their outtake of food, and it works for a while until it stops working, and then it usually goes back the other way where they can't control their appetite, they destroy their metabolic rate to a point where they can't eat anything without getting fat. That's one of the main things. So chronic dieting and then also going through periods of massive chronic dieting and then binging and then so, you know, things like that. And then realistically training way too much. People are doing a lot more quantity and they're not thinking about quality. Um, general population tend to not, they don't train hard. They train a lot, but it's not hard. So, you know, they need to be t taken into the gym and they need to learn like what what a movement should feel like, what proper, proper loading should feel like, and not using a lot of junk uh, volume to uh, supplement the fact that they're just not really straining that hard. You know, we've got things like that. Also, overdoing the aerobic stuff. You know, you get, you get a thing on both sides where women tend to overdo the aerobic stuff. Men tend to overdo the weightlifting. And if you're truly worried about health and you're concerned about this, you've got to find somewhere in the middle of how much can I actually do of each different tool so that blends into a nice periodized uh, format over time that can drive you to getting all your goals of losing weight, building a little bit of muscle, building some strength, but then it has to be in a, a scheme where you it's maintainable and it doesn't affect your sleep and your stress. And it's not like having another job. 
Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, massively. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I think a lot of people do have the extreme mentality, don't they? It's they, they're always just looking for something really extreme. Like you mentioned before, when you say to someone, we're going to go on a fat loss diet now, they think that the life is going to be absolutely hell. And this is something that I do say to a, a lot of the people that I work with as well, and make it clear to them is you, you're not on one big diet. You know, it should just be, you should be living a healthier lifestyle. You now eat better. Your identity is slowly starting to change because it's not going to change overnight. You can't go from somebody that's, lived a life where they've eaten what they want, when they want, they've not taken into consideration any form of health and fitness in general to just turning into some kind of athlete overnight. It's a kind of educating them on the bigger picture, teaching them about the low-hanging fruit, the things that they can actually do consistently well every single day without, without going too far and beyond with things that they just simply can't adhere to or stick to. And then down the line, like you mentioned before, they feel like they burn out, they're feeling fatigued, they, they have no motivation to train anymore. And I really like that you go into all that because that's another thing that I kind of base this podcast on. It's teaching people why they're in the position they're in right now rather than just focusing on what they need to do. And I believe that's something that a lot of people miss out on. It's not just saying to somebody, you need to eat less and start exercising more because a lot of people already know that. Most general population know that they probably need to eat better, sleep better, eat a little bit less maybe, exercise more, whatever it may be, but they need to know what they've been doing that's put them in the position they're in right now and why all these things are occurring in the first place or why they create, why are the cravings so high and why is this happening? Why is that happening? And that's what I really like about your teachings is that you explain, explain the physiology to obviously trainers so then they can translate that to the clients, why things are going wrong so they can address them without us trainers just being a dictator and just telling them what may seem obvious to them, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you know, that's what I find too. And I'm guilty of it as well, as far as when I'm teaching people, I don't, I, I found when I first started doing it that not everybody's been doing this as long as I have. And if that's the case, then, you know, I can't take my knowledge for granted. So I know that you should be doing all these things. I can't assume that people just know that. And so when you look at the trainers who are in the field talking to their clients, you know, their coaches live a weird, really weird lifestyle, right? We can, we can, we, we can do our own time management. We can do our own schedules. We can wake up whenever we want. We can go to bed wherever we want. We can eat eight times a day if you want to. I mean, it's, it's really, it's just a really weird lifestyle that if you, if you think that your client can do all this, you're missing the boat because people have kids and they've got work and they've got a partner and they've got all this stuff going on that does not remotely look like the life that you and I lead, right? So yeah. um, I think my wife said it on, on a podcast the other day. She's like, you know, you look at, if you look at the training industry, they end up marketing to themselves it to the general population. And then when they get general population clients, they're training them like a personal trainer would train. Like Mary Muffin Top is not going <laughs> to fucking train twice a fucking day. And, you know, and Joe Dinkleberry is not going to fucking make six mils of plain ass chicken um, with broccoli and rice. It's just not going to fucking happen. Now, if it's a, if it's a time constrained thing, yeah, cool. Let's say you've got, you, you've, you're ill prepared and you've got a wedding in six weeks and you need to do the most amount possible in six weeks. I get it. Like, cool, you know, this is an emergency, we're going to do some extreme shit. But the majority of people coming to us, there's not a, a there's not a really a begin or an end except for the beginning and end that we put on them. So if we start working on playing on the long game, we don't have to do those extremes. And you hit the nail on the head with that. People are doing all these extreme things. So they bounce to different diets and different training systems. They bounce to different coaches and they're pushing their body to extremes and they're yo-yoing. So they take a, a ton of weight off and then they put all the weight on plus an extra five kilos. So then they do, they, they freak out and they go back to doing extreme things. They lose most of the weight and then they put it on with an extra, a little bit of interest, right? So anytime you push the body to an extreme, it's going to push back in an extreme way. So instead of doing, you know, a 12-week transformation over and over and over to keep losing your yo-yo weight, just do it for 12 months. Be very consistent and keep it off forever. Yeah, that, that's a really... A powerful message that I think more and more people need to discuss. Uh, it's weight maintenance. I, I do believe that people are actually good at losing weight. 
but they're just shit at keeping it off. <laughs> and that, that, that that's that's where this sustainability comes in. But when you do say sustainable to people, they do freak out a little bit. They think, what? I don't want sustainable. And, and it's changing that mindset for people to make them understand like, yeah, you can diet, you can look great for your wedding day, but don't you want to just keep this off forever? Like, surely you don't want to keep being back and forth and it's just one big battle between you and your, your this diet you're trying to live or this lifestyle that you're trying to live and it shouldn't be that way. No, nah, man, you hit it right on the head. And the thing is, they, they it's not sexy to sell long-term planning, right? The sexiness goes in, hey, look what I did with this girl who in 12 weeks, she's shredded. And then you look into the, the client. It's like the client's a WBFF competitor. Of course she can do that in 12 weeks. Then you market that to a 48-year-old mom at three, and you're giving her a pipe dream of stuff that's not really that attainable for her with her lifestyle and having kids and, and all the stuff going on. Um, so, I mean, that's look at the look at the marketing you see on Instagram, like the people with the biggest with the biggest name and the, the most followers. Now, they're the people that are throwing up crazy transformations. But what they're not showing is the after effects of the transformations. And that's that's usually what I deal with because um, I don't I don't train a lot of people anymore. Um, I, I have coaches underneath me that train and we get so many people that have done a transformation or they've done five transformations and now they can't get it off anymore because they're completely screwed. And now we have to, we get, we have to sit down and have a coming to Jesus talk with them and say, look, you know what? You tried it, the, the yo-yo thing. It's not working. So are you ready to make long lasting change? And they say, yeah, but the problem is they're desperate and they're in a position now where you tell them this is going to take nine months to sort them out. And then we can go ahead and start dieting at that point. You know, that it's hard to get them to, to do it until they've got to a point where they learn their lesson of this yo-yo dieting, not really working out for them. And it's never going to work. Yeah. It's beating the head against the wall all the time. And it's the same with the, yeah, like you said, with the training going on these crazy, crazy diets where they're just having no life. And you have to kind of reel them in and say to them, listen, you've got, four kids you've got a highly stressful job like why are you doing the diet plan that some ripped up bikini girls give you literally only job is to post for instagram <laughs> that, yeah, that, the, that that's the battle that we're up against right us trainers are yeah. genuine as well and it's a hard battle you know you can you you can say all right if you can't beat them join them you could sell out and you can do the same thing you get rich but man i'm not in that for this man i'm in here to help people and you know, if I have to keep doing this and die penniless, that's what I have to do because I can't I can't live with myself if I do that to people. And I was that type of trainer in my early 20s. And now being being, you know, 41, I'm, I'm almost an adult now. I think my, my <laughs> wife said I'm getting there, you know, maybe another 10 years. I'll act like an adult. But, um, you know, I just can't do it. And I, you just keep preaching because you get these especially you look at those bikini girls. They have no credentials to be giving people meal plans. They do it anyways. Mm. And I'll, I mean, for the people listening, if you want the magic, I'll give you the magic of every single one of these coaches. I'll tell you the exact template for you to do if you want to do a transformation. And if you screw yourself up, you can give me a call. I'll sort you out. It's just going to take time to sort you out. But the thing is, they train with weights four days a week um, with a lot of volume. They do a couple of hit sessions for 30 minutes. Then they do 14, 20,000 steps a day, which I think is completely obscene, right? <laughs> True. And yeah, and then, and then they do, they'll put them on like thousand calorie diets and they say, you know what, when you're, when you hit your goal, we're going to reverse diet you out of it. But you know what? Reverse dieting is not magic. And you get to a point where you're eight weeks into a 12 week transformation and your hair's falling out and you're freezing cold because you can't make any body heat. You know, your, your, your ovaries stop working, you stop having a period, or if you're a guy, your dick stops working, but <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter anyways, because you don't, you're, you're too tired to want to have sex anyway, so fuck it. And then, you know, you push through another four weeks, and now you're really fucking screwed, you can't control your appetite, you blow up, put 20, 30 kilos on in a few months, and, and now you're like, you're freaking out. And exactly, and then it takes the desperate measures again to get it back off again, and that's, that's the approach people take, they just think, it's just a vicious circle, isn't it? It's extreme, extreme, and then they'll put on the weight and it's extreme again. And it's it's not just looking at it and taking a step back and thinking to themselves. A lot of people make this mistake of this is just taking a step back, looking in and thinking, well, what I've been doing clearly isn't working, especially long term. And I'm just going back and forth and all this neglecting your health is 
really coming to bite them on the arse again because, like you said before, they losing the people are losing the periods. You know, people are just sleep deprived or they're already sleep deprived, and then they're adding on all this vigorous amounts of training volume. They're going to certain boot camps. I won't mention any names, but they're getting absolutely running to the ground. You know, these boot camps promoting you'll burn a thousand calories today. It's like they're getting slogged into the ground and they're literally crawling out of the gym after a training session. And what do you think that that has a massive impact on the rest of the day? Because they have this extreme mentality that they need to kill themselves all the time. But for most general population, that certainly isn't the case. And that's something that you do teach a lot about is this lease mode. Yeah, and the, the lease mode is it's, it's it's a weird concept we came up with a long time ago. And um, when I first started talking about it, people thought I was nuts. And then they started using it and they were like, shit, this actually works. So, you know, we, we've got a, a continuum of lease mode to one side and beast mode to the other. And when we when we onboard a, a client, we look at them and we say, OK, let's look at some metrics. Let's look. Where's your blood pressure? Oh, you're stage two hypertension. You're the last person I need to be beasting out in the gym. Okay, we see this. You're stressed out. You got high blood pressure. Cool. How's your sleep? Sleep's like shit. Tell me about, tell me about your shit. Uh, I poop once every two days. It's either always liquid or it's like rabbit turns. Okay, cool. I've got all these gut issues. Uh, I have brain fatigue. I can't perform at work. I'm always tired. I'm like, yeah, cool. That's a person I want to do 12 sessions a week, 1,000 calories a session, and feed them fuck all calories. It's just insane to me. And, you know, it's it's not getting any better. It's getting better in small pockets of the industry, but it needs to be better across the board. So if I have a client that comes in and they're already beasting life, what we need to do is we need to do the opposite of that. And you know, you might have to do some aerobics and build a nice aerobic base. Sweet. Let's get your calories back up and get your maintenance really high. And let's put you on a nice platform uh, where you can have a jumping off point where you can build performance after you get your body healthy. You know, a healthy body doesn't want to perform well. Um, and that's just, the, that's just the facts. If we get you healthy, your body's going to be capable of a lot more. And most of the people that go on these transformations, they're desperate, they're driven, and they're, but they're not being pre-qualified. So you get people in that they're pretty screwed up internally, and then you put them through a transformation that's not going to make their internal physiology any better. It's going to make it a lot worse. If we can take a couple of blocks of training, like six to eight weeks, and get them healthier, we give them a nice platform of now we can go on a transformation because you're healthy enough to take it and your hormones are going to be a great place because doing a transformation, losing, losing body mass is always going to screw your hormones up a little bit. But what we want to do is we, we want to make sure you're healthy. Then we kind of make your hormones a little wonky and then we'll add some more food back to it and everything will get re-regulated. What we don't want to do is Take somebody who's desperate to lose weight, their hormones are screwed up, and their stress is screwed up. Let's throw them into a transformation and make it way worse. So it's, it's like throwing fuel on a, an already burning fire. Yeah, and a lot of people don't take that into consideration, do they? They don't take into consideration it's a stress when you're dieting to lose body fat. It's a stress when you're training. They, they, they don't think of it that way. And again, it's this mentality of just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. But this lease mode that you do, it's actually building people up so they feel more energized so they're more they're more likely to go on a, a walk that day they're more likely to go to the gym and train because as a byproduct of taking into consideration someone's health and getting these markers all in check they're gonna want to live a healthier lifestyle and as a byproduct the body the body fat the weight whatever they're trying to achieve will come <laughs> absolutely and and you know what here's the thing we know that a good majority of your success goes down to, to nutrition. And if, if I'm stressed out, I'm going to fall back on bad habits of reward eating and uh, pain avoidance and things like that. So if I write somebody, teach them how to eat correctly, they're less likely to make good choices with their food and they're more likely to profit, uh, fall prey to going off the wagon if they're stressed out already. Because then, you know, in a lot of cases, they're sitting at home, they've They've worked for 12 hours that day. They've gone in on the tube, come out on the tube. They're, they've got 14 hours of stress. Then they sit at home. Do you think they're really going to make a nice bowl of homemade chili with good macronutrient ratios? Hell no. They're going to order Uber Eats, and they're going to have some Maccas delivered to their house because they're too tired to go out to Maccas and get it themselves. You know, And that's, that's the reality of things. Like We have to put them in a position where, A, it's convenient, and we give them food that's tasty and nourishes their body. 
you know, the more you train, the more you have to feed it. So if you're adding in excessive amounts of volume, if you're walking a lot, you got to add food back to that, or you're going to make a massive deficit, which is going to be another stressor. Now your limbic system starts to take, take over and you start eating for hedonism instead of eating uh, good foods that you know are going to drive your body in a nice physiological fashion. Or on the other case too, you get people who start, they get addicted to exercise and they, they use that as pain avoidance. So you get these guys who are in the gym for three hours and like for what? Like you're not actually getting anything done. You're just doing a bunch of junk volume and then you're probably not feeding that as well. So there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of wheels in motion that can get screwed up and we need more trainers that understand this and can, can take the right metrics on people and say, Hey, you know, I'd love to give you a massive transformation, but I have to give you a little bit of what you need first and then I'll give you what you want. And, you know, the thing that was a really a big mind uh, eye opener for me is a couple of years ago, I was in London and I was teaching our foundations course. And, you know, I, I, I took my blood pressure cuff with me and I had 60 coaches. These are 60 coaches that are supposed to be health and fitness coaches. And I passed the blood pressure cuff around. There were three people out of 60 with good blood pressure. It was me and a couple of people we trained. The rest of them were stage one, stage two hypertension. And it blew my freaking mind. I'm like, guys, man, I don't want to get on my soapbox and scream at you, but what the fuck are you doing? You guys are supposed to be the healthiest of the healthy. You guys are elite level coaches. What are you doing walking around? Your blood pressure, one of the guys, a really good guy, but his blood pressure was 210 over 100 and something. Wow. That is crazy. Wow. And then, you know, you start thinking about like program design, like, What's a really good piece of equipment everybody loves to, to use to build up their quads and build up their legs, the leg press. <laughs> so so you, you, you get a guy, maybe he's a 58-year-old CEO of a company, he walks in, you're going to put him on the leg press, you didn't take his blood pressure, his blood pressure is 180 over 100, and now you put him under a leg press where he's having to create a big dissolving maneuver and his blood pressure is going to go up. You wash, rinse, and repeat that over time, man, you're driving somebody towards metabolic resistance, cardiovascular disease heart attack, stroke, whatever, and you're supposed to be helping them get fit and healthy, but what you're doing is you're actually, unbeknownst to you, because you don't have this information, you're actually making them worse. Yeah, yeah, they, they, it's a big one, isn't it? It's something that a lot of people don't check, his blood pressure, they'll get so obsessed with doing skin folds that they can't really do themselves anyway, and then they'll miss out on something that causes people to pop the clogs. <laughs> it's absolutely mental, and yeah, the blood pressure is a, a big one, and it's just just take it, look into this shit. Like you said before, it's not sexy, but why wouldn't you want to look into something that potentially, you know, this could end your life here. We're talking about something that's going to drive you to an early grave, so check it instead of getting obsessed with checking the other pointless shit, like checking, getting obsessed with my fitness pal, but you're not obsessing over your blood pressure. It makes no sense. Oh. It's fucking mental. I just, you know, and you, and look, and, and to be to be perfectly transparent, I was that trainer at one point. You yeah, know, when I got in, yeah, when I got in the industry, man, back in like 1886, man, we didn't have, <laughs> you know, we didn't have the tools that we have now. Like we had blood pressure, but now you can go to the chemist and you can buy an eighty dollar blood pressure cuff that gives an accurate reading. You can, when your client first comes in, take their blood pressure. No other coach is doing that. When you take their blood pressure, they go, what are you doing? Well, I, I want to see where your physiology is. Holy shit, no one's ever taken my blood pressure before. Well, I'm sorry. That's a shame. That's what we do here because I want to make sure that what we're programming for you and have you doing is going to drive your body in a, in a positive manner, and we're not going to create any more dysfunction and possibly drive you toward a, di a state of disease, right? So, you know, but it's the easiest thing to do. And one of the things that kills me, and this has been over the past over a decade I've been teaching is trainers will not spend, they won't invest any money on their clients. They'll even, they'll go to, they'll go to seminars. They'll go to a $2,000 seminar, but they won't buy an $80 blood pressure cuff or the guys that are taking skin folds. They won't buy $350 Harpenins buy like really nice medical grade. They'll go buy $19 plastic calipers. And they think that's good enough. Like, fuck you, man. If you're not, if you're buying bullshit, budget-ass equipment to use on your client, you can go fuck yourself because that's just fucking ridiculous. You're charging – I know guys some guys in London, they're charging a, 150 to 200 pound an hour, and you won't go buy a fucking, a fucking device that would take you 15 minutes of work to purchase. 
Yeah, yeah, just to have some care for your clients. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's mental when you said about all the, the trainers with a high blood pressure, and that's something that I'm seeing a lot of recently is coaches posting loads of stuff about preaching health, preaching this and preaching that. And you know yourself, like, they're probably the least healthy person in the world. And it go, not just from a physiological standpoint, but psychological as well, because they just don't switch off. Their life is health and fitness, and it's just an obsession. They're obsessed with training. They're obsessed with bloody eating out of Tupperware. They don't have a life. And obviously, the mental aspect, that's health too. <laughs> People neglect that because they're just so obsessed because of the way they look. They think they're healthy, and it's it's certainly not the case. And it's, it's something that I know you go on about quite a lot and you you mentioned hobbies and this is something that I believe is really really powerful to do because it gets people to want to exercise and it's not the case of I need to exercise but I want to exercise and personally for me as a trainer I've, I know that you do jiu-jitsu as well so we might have just touch upon that in a second um, I started jiu-jitsu as a hobby because I was so fed up of lifting weights to be honest with you because even myself felt pressured to look a certain way for the perceived way a personal trainer should be or you should lift weights should lift weights but I found I had no purpose anymore and I needed to start exercising because I wanted to not because I had to so that's why I took up a hobby with jiu-jitsu and I think everybody should take up a hobby so if you could just kind of teach upon that what you do with clients and what you preach about the importance of a hobby to you and actually bloody enjoy exercise and how powerful that can actually be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a couple of, there's a couple of different viewpoints in that, right? So like I fell into the same, the same situation you did, whereas man, I've lifted weights my entire life. I've lifted weights, God, over 33, 34 years. And I got to the point where I just didn't enjoy it anymore because I'm, I'm incredibly competitive. So if I go to the gym, I'm in a competition against myself, and then I get to a point where I just I'm not enjoying it. I can't just go to the gym and, and pump it up and just have a nice time. So I needed something I could be competitive with that I really sucked at. So I, I found a place, you know, in my neighborhood, a place called the Agoge. Just want to give them a big plug, um, and it was fantastic, man. It was it, it was a non-competitive jujitsu place. It, the first day I walked in, Justin Bennett's the guy who runs it. He's like, look, this isn't a competition jujitsu place. We're here to actually learn real jujitsu and have a good time. Nobody gets hurt. You can roll if you want to. You don't have to just show up and get shit done and, and learn with us. And I'm like, man, I, I dig that because it takes all the pressure that I need to be the baddest motherfucker in the room. And as you well know, the first when you start doing jujitsu, you find out what a pussy you are. So <laughs> tell um, me about it, man. I've never been so humbled in my life. Oh, my God. You get guys that are half your size, and they're just twisting your fucking head off. And... <laughs> literally. Like, literally, that is exactly what happens. And he's so good, isn't it, in terms of, like, you mentioned before, uh, as a, for ego, you know. And, you know, if you've been so used to being good at lifting weights and being good at bodybuilding, go to jiu-jitsu, you're just bottom of the food chain. But that's something that I tell my clients as well. I say, you need to understand you're the bottom of the food chain with all aspects of health and fitness, you know, if they've just started the gym for the first time, they've just started looking into the diet. I'm like, you're a white belt at this shit. So don't expect to be good at it straight away. You literally have, just like me with my jiu-jitsu, you've got to earn your stripes and just work your way up. And I think if more people seen it like that, they'd be in a much better place mentally with the whole health and fitness journey. Yeah, and you know, I, I I thought about that too. Like I was telling Zoe, I was like, how cool would it be? Because we, 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 we're tossing around the idea of opening a facility at some point, but it's always, it's always about the timing. We want to make sure the timing's right and, and all that. And what, what, how cool would it be to have a belt system for health and fitness? And you have a belt with stripes and you're a white belt and you have, you know, maybe you have like, well, I used to take a, a Gung Fu and in Gung Fu, we had a belt and you had six stripes and every stripe you had to learn six techniques. And so by the time you got your new belt, you had mastered 36 techniques how cool would it be to have some type of system like that where you actually give a belt and then when they've mastered the squat bench deadlift and hit a certain standard, maybe they've done a, a 5K trial, they've nailed their diet, you've got all these metrics and then they get the next belt and then they start working on, you know, I'm past the beginner stage, now I'm in the intermediate stage and you give belts and stripes based on their ability to follow their diet 
and you know their weight weigh-ins and their training and their running and all that stuff i think that'd be so cool and it'd be it'd be so stimulating because you'll agree with me here i know that like you get your white belt and you're just craving that next stripe man you can't yeah. wait until you have four stripes on that belt and you now you see that blue belt man that blue belt's coming and then you're you know, you're sitting there forever waiting on that because you've got to master everything at the white belt level before you can get your blue belt. And then it all starts over again. And to me, it's it's all about the gamification of your training. You need to keep people interested and, and people need to hit that reward center. They need to have a game system to give themselves something, a reason why they want to keep coming back because they need to have their goals reassessed constantly. And if your goal is only losing weight and trying to look good naked, um, you know, that's not going to be extrinsically motivating enough to keep most people on track because the minute a situation arises where you can skip a workout or you can eat something off your plan, or you can go to the pub and have a few drinks, you're probably going to pick that over anything else because the driver isn't strong enough. Yeah, yeah, it's that powerful reason why, isn't it? Why you keep doing it? What makes you keep showing up every single day and simply just losing a little bit of weight, like you said, just to feel a little bit better? Sometimes it's just not powerful enough to keep people going. And we all know like inspiration and motivation comes in waves. The amount of people that say to me, how do I get motivation? And it's, and you, you kind of just like, it's such an open question where you, you feel like you just can't answer it. You're just like, well, maybe if you just changed up the approach, like someone asked me, what is your motivation for jujitsu? My motivation will be get that second strike. Like, I know, and I can say it within a split second what that actually is. But a lot of people don't um, don't have that, and it's quite a shame, really. So to have that system, what you just mentioned there, with the belts, and or at least having that focus in your own head to get to that next stage, little process-driven goals you can do each day to get you close to the outcome, I think it'd be absolutely amazing. Absolutely, and you, you think about you know you don't win a war with one battle. Right. You have to you have to win multiple battles to win the war. And that's what you're basically doing. You're going to the gym and you have to you have to win little battles every day and every week and then every month and every three months and every six months. And that's how people that's how you build a nice physique over time. And that's how you build it in a healthy manner is you set your sight on just being better than I was yesterday and last week and three months ago and six months ago. And you chip away at that and it's long-term development, not thinking about, you know, you're not using a short-term solution that's going to cause long-term issues. Yeah, it's just every day just having that tick in a box every day, no matter what it may be. And that's what a lot of people don't think of it like. They don't think, what can I do today to put me in a better position tomorrow and then do the same again and again. And it's just that process. And we obviously speaking about like health today and we've mentioned about like physiologically what you can do if you do neglect your health. But speaking about this, what we just spoke about with jujitsu and the goals in place, that's really powerful for mentally. And that's why I believe a lot of people need to put the focus in is in changing the mindset towards what they're trying to achieve more than anything. And as a byproduct, everything else will fall into price. It's just more the approach or the reactions to situations that really screwing people over. Yeah. And I think you, you said something, I caught you saying something earlier that resonated with me and you, you were talking about identity and identity is a, a big thing that, that a lot of coaches need to start thinking about. And, and also the general population that are listening to this, you have to, if you want long-term change at some point, you have to change your identity and you have to look at it and say, okay, what do I identify with right now? So let's just take the, maybe you were the token fat kid growing up and you've always had weight issues and your entire family has weight issues. And now you're going to fall back on the excuse that your genetics and you were always this way and blah, 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 blah. You know, you, you have to get to a point where you write down on a piece of paper who you want to become. And you have to say, okay, if I want to become this person, what, what kind of self-talk would that person be doing? Would that person always be beating myself down emotionally saying, you're the fat kid, you don't deserve this, you know, just eat that piece of cake because fuck it, you've always been that way. You got you to gotta put it on paper and really think about it of, man, wh what do I value and what do I believe, right? And Because that's what's going to really make up your identity. So if I want to be uh, healthy and if I want to lose weight and I want to get strong, I've got to put that on paper that that's the person I want to become. I have to get that vision in my mind and say, okay, what, what are the things that this person would say? What are the behaviors that this person would um, do every day 
to, to become that person and what is that person's life like? And you have to start forming that in your mind and start, I don't want to say law of attraction type stuff, but you know, that that's basically what it is. And you have to keep reinforcing that you're that person and that person would be able to stay on track and that person would not miss a workout and that person would go to bed 30 minutes earlier and that person would, and that's what you have to keep reinforcing in yourself. And without, without doing that, your your motivation is just not going to be there because that's one of the things you can't buy two things you can't buy are money and time um you can wish that you had more of it but one of them you definitely can't have because we can't buy time but the other one you can manifest in yourself you you if you can't look outwardly for someone to motivate you you have to find it within yourself to motivate yourself absolutely yeah it's just that you are now going to be a different person. And the amount of clients that I get who say to me, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat. I just can't do it. This is me. I'm like to them, you are going to continue being like this unless that switch in your head changes until you start saying to yourself, you are not fat anymore. You're just carrying some body fat. You are the person now who trains every day. You're the person who eats a healthier diet. You're the person that doesn't neglect the sleep like they used to do. You are now this person. You need to get it into your head because if you, the more you tell yourself this, like you just mentioned, the actions are going to come with that. And then if the actions come and the intent, before you know it, then habits start creating them habits. They stay with us forever. And before you know it, a lot of people can turn it into a passion. And then people are really laughing then because if they can turn health and fitness then into a passion of theirs, they'll never look back. They'll never keep regaining the weight again and they'll just be in control for once in their life absolutely so if you're listening to this and you've been having a hard time don't wait to become that person you need to be that person right now your body will change if you become the person now and do the things that that leaner you and that healthier you would do to get there that person's already doing it so you need to do it now if you want to get there just to wrap this one up, Luke, because this has been absolutely class, mate. I think a lot of people will get so much value from what you've had to say today. Today, What would your overall recommendations be for someone who is focusing on losing, losing some weight? What is the main focus they should put into their health, their fitness, their nutrition, training in general to make this a much easier process? Uh, first things first, like you said earlier, you got to tick off the boxes. So you need to make a plan and then you got to stick to the plan as much as you can. Um, nutritionally, making sure you're eating uh, protein every few hours. So every four to five hours, make sure you eat a high protein meal. Make sure you eat plants as well. So realistically, I think people should, I think the vegan diet is the best diet as long as you add meat on top. So base your meals on protein. Make sure you don't neglect your plants. Um, especially uh, veggies, especially fruits, right? Don't be scared of fruit. It doesn't make you fat. Don't be scared of carbs either. You know, if you're carrying a bit of excess weight, you might have to, you might have to think about your timing of when you have your carbs. And what seems to be the best time is around the workout. So a couple hours before the workout, right after the workout, try to get a good amount of carbs there. That way you fuel the workout and then you fuel future workouts um, and just be nail the consistency don't worry about um, excessive exercise. It's not necessary. Um, and the more you exercise, the more you have to eat. So make sure you're just doing something every day that most people, you know, if they're, if they're working out with weights uh, three days a week, that's probably plenty. Four days is probably a little bit better. But what you need to do is you got to fucking move more. Uh, people don't move, especially if you're sitting at a desk for eight, nine, ten hours. Man, just get up and move because the more you move, the more you make your you before you make your body sensitive to things like carbohydrates and micronutrients. So get up and move a lot. Make sure you stretch. Um, and then the more you move, the better, really. And that doesn't mean you have to go to the gym and work out, you know, two hours every day. That means at home, if you're watching TV, flex your muscles while you're sitting there. Get on the floor and stretch. You're, walk, you're trying to binge Game of Thrones. Get on the floor and do some stretching. Just do something because we really are getting to a point where people don't move enough. They're putting too much emphasis on going to the gym, and they're not taking what they need to do at home, which is get off your fat ass and fucking move. <laughs> yeah, this is true, mate. It's literally straight to the point, and it's, it's missing out on, like you said, they're so obsessed with what they can do in one hour and completely neglect what they can do in 24 
hundred percent. And you know, I, I you know, I, I say get off your fat ass. That's including me, man. I was hundred I went overseas. Every time I go overseas, you know, I, I, I I'm over in I'm in London and I'm like, I've got my favorite places to eat, or I'm in Hong Kong or I'm in America and I've got favorite places I don't get to eat while I'm here in Australia. So I end up partaking a little more and, and I'm working so I don't really move that much. And I'm in the same boat, man. I, I came home this last trip, I was 110 kilos. And I looked at myself and I went, fuck, man, I've let myself go. I don't have a lot of time to go to the gym. So, you know, I started doing the jujitsu in lieu of the gym. And then, man, I just I just started making a, a point to get up and move around and stretch and, you know, popping down and doing 10 push-ups here and there and, and that type of thing. And you'd be the gen, general population would be very surprised at how quickly the weight will come off. You just get moving more and nourish your body. And within two months, I'd lost 14 kilos. And I hadn't really been trying. I just just started moving a little bit more. Yeah, just as a byproduct. And yeah, well, I, th- I think in recent in recent years, anyway, there has been, especially on social media, there's been a, like seems to be a battle between two camps. You know, you have the the calories calorie deficit crew, and you have the health crew. I, what really baffles me is that I just believe it's confusing the general population more and more. You got one person. It's preaching it's just calories, just calories, just calories. Another person is potentially overlooking calories and just speaking about health, health, health. Why don't they just come in the middle, meet in the middle, and give somebody this isn't evidence based, this is just common sense based. Yeah. And just do a little bit of both. Like, yes, of course, look into your caloric intake for sure. But even if you're just starting looking into your health as well as a byproduct, you'll probably eat less calories, like you mentioned before, eating more fruit and vegetables, you're eating less calorie-dense foods. As a byproduct, you'll create that deficit. And I just wish everyone would stop arguing with them two things and just have a bloody normal approach and stop confusing people more and more. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you don't, you don't, they don't have to be opposites, right? Now, obviously, calories and versus calories out, that, that ultimately is what drives you know, fat loss and, and weight loss. But we have to understand that calories in, calories out is not as simple as you think it is. And uh, there's a little bit more to it. And, you know, can you lose weight? Can you lose fat eating McDonald's? Absolutely. The only problem is the portion sizes are so small because they're so calorically dense that you would be starving all the time and you won't be able to stick with your diet. Exactly. And you, you need to look into, this is what I say to a lot of my clients as well. I don't just talk to them about obviously energy balance, but teaching them more about the palatability of foods, what foods oh, yeah. carry higher satiating, what foods are highly satiating to others, more calorie dense than others. And if you educate people around this a little bit more, they start basically taking into this within themselves, they kind of get it by the balls of nutrition and they just can kind of come up with their own diet and their own lifestyle. And as a byproduct, things will start to change because they're now aware of it. It's not just one big mystery to them anymore. They just need to know a little bit more about food in general. Yeah. And you know what the thing is, you can, you can have all your favorite foods. You just can't have a ton of it. And it's probably going to be best to, to round that out with some good, wholesome, unprocessed foods as well. And like, I love chicken McNuggets, man. I love them. And typically when I go to other people's seminars, the first lunch, I'll try to find McDonald's and I'll walk in with a 20 pack of nuggets and some fries and a Diet Coke. And coaches will look at me. They'll have their Tupperware out and they'll look at me and they're like, what the fuck? Aren't you a sports nutritionist? I'm like, yeah, I don't eat this every day, even though I did have chicken McNuggets a few hours ago. Um, you know, it's not, it's not something I eat all the time. And I actually had a coach, a uh, real pompous ass, looked at me while I was eating nuggets in, in, a, in a seminar. And he looks at me and he goes, oh, you want some bleach to clean off that food? And I was like, bro, I feel sorry for your kid, man. Your kid's uh, going to grow up with that. You're, uh, and and I, I tried to get him to eat a Chick McNugget, and I thought he was going to have a goddamn heart attack. <laughs> that, well, that, that's the thing that a lot of people miss out on, isn't it? It's just a mentality of like good versus bad foods. And it's not certainly not the case. The amount of times that clients say to me, oh, I was bad this weekend. And I'm like, what do you mean you was bad this weekend? Did you do some heroin or something? And they're like, oh, no, <laughs> I just had a glass of red wine and um, a bit of pizza. And I'm like, oh, my God. And it, I'm like, and that's about teaching them the reaction to that more than it is the food itself. I'm like, don't give, I don't give a shit about your bad wine or a pizza. But your reaction to having it is actually worse than bloody having it. Yeah, you're stressing over stupid. You're majoring in the monitors and stressing over the dumbest shit. You know, as long as you're not eating that every day. And 
I think we need to here. We'll start something. We'll start something on your podcast. Let's all agree to stop saying there's good and bad foods, and let's agree that there's some foods that are probably more beneficial than others. Exactly. That way, right? Like every every food you eat is going to have a positive or negative effect, you know. And you know, if I'm eating good, wholesome, unprocessed food, if I'm if I'm staying within my caloric means, it's going to have a beneficial, positive effect. If I eat some chicken nuggets, it's probably not going to have as beneficial effect. But it's also not the end of a war of the world. Like for me, when I'm not dieting, I'll eat 40 McNuggets today. I had a 10 pa- 10 pack with a small <laughs> front with a small front of Diet Coke because I am dieting and I didn't want to go over my caloric allotment. So I'm okay with that. And you know what? Tonight I'm gonna gonna get a really good night's sleep because I'm happy. I'm gonna end the day with a nice bullet of bodybuilder chili that I've got sitting in the slow cooker right now. So my, I hit my targets for the day. I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, that, that is literally the best way to approach it. And that's the when you know people have got a healthy relationship with food. And like you said, then there is obviously good and bad responses of things. You know, you could have a bowl of broccoli. Yeah, physiologically, that might be better because I'm going to be more satiated. I'm not going to probably reach for some cookies. However, it fucking tastes horrible. And I'd rather have cookies because that's going to make me <laughs> mentally feel better. Do you, well, know you, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, if you tell people too, if you're like, you can't have cookies, you can't have cake, you can never have this. Well, now you're putting them in a state of deprivation, and guess what? They're going to have it, they're going to binge, and then they're not going to tell you about it, then they're going to feel guilty, and that's going to jack up the stress response. The stuff we're trying not to do, and we're trying not to give people weird issues with food, and the, the industry is really good about that, about making people have weird food issues. <laughs> yeah, so many scaremongers out there these <laughs> days, right? It was just People are shit scared of like having a piece of bread touch their skin. And what they should do, most of these trainers, man, they should just they should sell on the side like branded tinfoil hats to give all of their clients, <laughs> so to protect them from the aliens and the five G uh, Wi Fi that's coming out, and and to protect them really from David Avocado Wolf, you know. Fuck yeah, it's just so many people are just shitting people up so they buy from them. Yep, it's so it's so cringy to see. Luke, this has been absolutely top class, mate. I really really appreciate you coming on. Um, and like I said it before, it's been amazing to have somebody that I've listened to a lot and learned a lot from. And yeah, I appreciate it. We'll have to definitely, obviously, get you on in the future and speak about other topics because I'm sure there's loads to talk about. Loads and loads, mate. Thank you for having Thanks me on. I really time. appreciate it. Enjoy the chicken nuggets this weekend, mate. <laughs> will I- do. I'm going to change the name of this podcast to Chicken Nuggets and Fat Loss. <laughs> Excellent. Take care, Luke. Thank you very much. All right, brother, we'll see ya. Bye-bye.